Hello, welcome to the Step by Step Sermon Podcast. I am Andrew Bird Harris. I'd like to thank you for listening. You can learn more about this podcast by visiting stepbystepsermons.com. The sermon you're about to listen to is preached at Thompson Town United Methodist Church. You can learn more about Thompson Town United Methodist Church by visiting their website, thompsontownchurch.org. Our second scripture lesson this evening comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, and then 31b through 35. Now, before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that he tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, and who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered, You do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. And Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, One who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you, for he knew who was to betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. And after he washed their feet and had put on his robe and had returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set for you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Jesus said, now the Son of Man has been glorified, And God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love, if you have love for one another. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, as we meditate on your word and hear your word proclaimed, open up our hearts, open up our minds, and let us hear what the Spirit is saying to us this evening. Amen. When I read the Bible, I'm often struck by how different the world of the Bible is from our world. 
that I can only imagine what it would be like to take someone from the Bible and put them into our modern world where you have cars and planes and trains and highways and what would have taken someone a whole day might take you 20 minutes to get someplace that, to show them a modern refrigerator, to show them that we can not only heat our homes, but we can also cool our homes, to let them experience the joys of ice if they lived in a, a hot environment where they never got to see ice before, and you have that in your freezer any time that you want it. And, and, and because the world is so hard, sometimes it's hard for us to really get into that world because their world is so different than our world. That we lived in a world where people question the ideas of demons and spirits. And while a lot of us do believe in spirits and demons, most people in our world don't. But in their world, there was no question. There were spirits and demons all around them. And, and they lived in a world where they were doing everything they could to not have them invade their life. We live in a world with modern medicine where most Health issues are not a big deal. But in their day, if you got a scratch, if you get an infection, if you got an infection, you could die. Uh, they lived in a world where it could take days, weeks, years to hear something really important or really significant, depending on how far away it is. We live in a world of telephones and radios and newspapers and televisions, and, and we can hear about something across the world in a matter of seconds. And we live in a world where we can get food anywhere from around the world where we don't have to worry about the weather so much. They lived in a world where just one bad drought could be devastating to the entire region. And when I read today's scripture lesson and tonight's scripture lesson, I, I, I think we often miss a lot of what's going on in this story because our world is very different than the world Jesus inhabited. That in Jesus' world, they, they had a world of servants and slaves. And we, thankfully, don't have slaves. And most of us probably don't have servants. I, I never have met any of your servants. Uh, I have not been invited to your manor with your upstairs staff and your downstairs staff. And so uh, I don't think we have servants. Uh, and, 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 and it's hard for us then to fully appreciate what's going on in the, the passage. That our English translations are... They're, they try to sometimes make things not sound as bad as they are, that we often translate the Greek word as servant. But in the ancient world, it was also the word for slave. And they didn't have a lot of servants in the ancient world because why would you have a servant when you could have a slave and not have to pay someone to do work when you've already paid for that person? And so Jesus is not inviting them to be uh, servants. He's inviting them to be slaves. And so it's really hard for us because that, that's a really high command. A servant can just quit. A slave cannot quit. And then we really don't have a lot of experience with foot washing. That we have very clean feet. I know that doesn't seem true, but we wear shoes. We wear socks. We have roads that are, are, are macadam. We have cement sidewalks. And in the ancient world, they didn't have any of those things. That you might be lucky if you have sandals. But even if you had sandals, if you were lucky, uh, <laughs> your feet would get dusty. Your feet would get dirty. They would not have macadam, that they would have dirt and muddy roads, and so uh, it's hard for us to appreciate a foot washing, that most of us don't need or experience the need to have a foot washed in our modern world. But in Jesus' day, that if you were, were showing really good hospitality to your guests, you might have the lowliest member of your family or your slave wash everyone's feet as they came in as a great act of hospitality. Nowadays, we don't really do that. And we don't have religious feasts the way they did in the ancient world. That the reason people are gathering in Jerusalem is because they're there to celebrate Passover. They're preparing for Passover. 
We read the passage from Exodus that sets up Passover to be a celebration that they do year every year. And, and we don't travel for religious feasts. That, that the idea was as many people as possible would come to Jerusalem. And they had several different feasts throughout the year where they would have everyone gather, or as many people that they could to gather to, to celebrate that religious festival. And, and we don't do that very much uh, in, in our world today. And, 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 and so it, it's hard for us to fully appreciate uh, the ancient world in a way that... Um, when we read tonight's passage. And, and we, it's hard for us, I think, to appreciate Jesus. Jesus was itinerant. We think Jesus was homeless. That Jesus just went from one place to another place. And most of us like having homes. Most of us like having a place that we can stay and call our own. And, and, and for Jesus' disciples, like we all want to be disciples of Jesus. But what it meant to be a disciple for Jesus in Jesus' day and what it means for us today are, are very different things that in Jesus' day, if you wanted to be a disciple on, on the highest level and in the best way possible, you'd follow Jesus. You would go everywhere Jesus went. What he ate, you would eat. Where he stayed, you would stay. And you would try to learn what it was like to be like Jesus so you could act like Jesus because when you had a master, you wanted to be like your master as a disciple. And for us, we can't follow Jesus the way those early disciples followed Jesus. And so when we look at tonight's lesson, we have to translate in what's going on in their passage in a way that makes sense to us. And it's challenging because Jesus' world is so different from our world. And yet, when we get to the heart of tonight's lesson, Jesus invites us to love. And, and I think we can appreciate what that means when we put it in context. Our scripture lesson today takes place in the last week of Jesus' life before his crucifixion and resurrection. It's Thursday night. He's going to go through a crazy trial, and by Friday, he's going to be crucified. And, and so these are the last hours. Jesus is trying to give his last wisdom, his last advice, his last message to his disciples. And a lot of what we see in the Gospel of John are those final words, his final prayers, his final thoughts that he wants to share with his disciples. And as we try to try to understand that what's going on in tonight's lesson with the differences between Jesus' world and our world. It's kind of crazy when you really think about what's going on here. It's an absurd situation. Like, we often wonder why did Peter get so upset that Jesus would wash his feet? But you have to understand, they lived in a world of power structures. And Jesus was their master. Jesus was their teacher. And it was not appropriate for a person of that power, of that level of responsibility, to be acting like a slave. A person on the bottom of the social hierarchy to their master, their teacher. So he is breaking down the power hierarchy that they're all used to. And it's really offensive to them that, that Jesus should not be doing this. This is the work of the person who's the lowest on the totem pole of the household. And here their master, the person they respect, the person that they have followed, that they've sacrificed for, is doing the work of, 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 a, of a slave. And it also goes against the etiquette of what you're supposed to do, that normally you would wash your feet when you came into the house. They're in the middle of the meal, and Jesus just stops, and he's washing their feet. Their feet might have already been washed, but he wants to hit home a point, and, 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 and he wants them to, to see what it means to, to love, as he talks about later in the chapter. They lived in a society of shame and honor, and it pervaded everything. That, that certain things you could do would bring honor, certain things you could do would bring shame, 
And then it got into your body that some parts of your body were honorable and some parts of your body were shameful. You might remember Paul talking in, in uh, 1 Corinthians about the body and how some parts are honorable and some parts are shameful. Well, the feet are a shameful part of the body. They're a dirty part of the body. That they're not a part of the body that you really want to touch. In cultures, even today, the, sheep, the feet are a shameful part of the body. You might remember when uh, uh, President Bush went over to Iraq and someone threw a shoe at him. That's because the feet are shameful and that person was trying to shame President Bush. And, and so Jesus is touching a part of the body that's shameful. This is not an honorable part of the body. And so for them, this is just really hard for them to believe that Jesus is acting like a slave. He's touching a part of the body that's shameful. And he's, he's doing it in a way that is just surprising. He takes out his outer garment. He only has one more garment on there, so it's his inner garment. And he's doing this act of intimacy. He's washing a person's foot. And it's an act of love. It's an act of service. And it's selfless. He's debasing himself. He's condescending himself. It's not for his benefit. It's not for his glory. He's doing it for someone else. And Jesus gives them a demonstration then of what he means when he says to love one another. That the command to love one another is an act of selflessness. It's an act of doing something for someone else. And oftentimes it's an act where you put aside what's best for you or what makes you look good so that you can help someone else. And it's the command that Jesus gives us. Jesus tells us that this is how we're going to be known as his disciples. That the more we love one another, the more the world will see that we are his followers. But what I believe very strongly, that love is selflessly serving others. I think that's what Jesus is trying to hit home by serving his disciples, by washing their feet in a way that must have just blown their minds. And that gets me to the main point of the sermon tonight. Love is selflessly serving others. On one hand, I don't think this is out of left field. That I'm sure you've heard lots of pastors say we need to love one another. I think we often as pastors and, and as Sunday school teachers and, and as leaders in the church talk about that we need to selflessly serve and selflessly love each other. But it's really hard because we live in a world where very few people are selfless. We live in a world where we have a greater culture that's always calculating what's in it for me. What am I going to get if I do something? And that we're taught from a very early age, like, if I do this, I should receive something. That if I put X amount of effort into something, I should get Y amount of return. And, and, and so it's hard sometimes to do things in a way that is not self-interested. That it's hard for us to really act in ways where we don't want something in return. In the life of the church, it's hard for us because we often want to act in love. But we also often want something in return, that, that we want to have new people come into the church. So we want to act selflessly in love, but then we also want people to come to church. So our act of service is kind of more for us to get people in versus us just acting selflessly out of love. And for us, sometimes we try to reach out to our neighbors and, and, and Jesus calls us to act selflessly in love, but we often do it with a hope that our neighbors will do something for us. And so we live in this world where it's very hard for us to act in ways where we don't hope or expect for something in return for us. And, 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 and it's especially hard in the church as, as we worry about attendance, as we worry about visitors, as we worry about whether we're going to grow or die as a church. We often start thinking in terms of what are we going to get if we do this? 
Instead of the world seeing us as Jesus' disciples by acting in selfless love, by serving other people, we often ask, is that going to get more people in the pews? Is that going to increase what people are given on Sunday morning? And so it gets very hard for us sometimes to realize that, that the invitation is not what are we going to get in return, but we're going to selflessly serve others to show the love of Jesus in the world, not for our benefit, but for the benefit of the world. And it's hard because... We often are not in a place where it's easy to love. That, that we live in a world full of fear. We live in a world full of stress. We live in a world where we're often in being pushed not to love. We're being told to fear people. We're being told that people are trying to use you. We're being told not to trust people. And so it makes it harder and harder to act selflessly in love because we're afraid someone's going to take advantage of us. We're afraid someone's going to use us. Or we're just afraid and so we won't even do an act of love because we don't want to be around that person out of fear. And, and love is hard also because we often frame love in emotional terms. That we often think that, that we need to feel positively towards the people that we are acting in love towards. And, and the problem in English is that we have one word for love. When you read the Greek, uh, as if I read the Greek New Testament, if I could read Greek well, I would, I would realize that there are multiple words for love in Greek. And, and, and the word that we often see in the New Testament is agape. And, and a lot of scholars would argue that it's a, a love of action. That we show our love through action. It's not a love of feeling. It's not a love of emotion. And yet we live in a culture that frames and talks about love in terms of emotions. But love is really how we treat each other. Love is really how we act towards each other. And we don't emotionally have to love people to act with love towards people. I often tell that to couples that are getting married. That you know, you're not always going to emotionally feel love towards your partner. But you can always act in love towards your person. And the challenge for us then is to act in love even if we're not emotionally feeling love with the people that we are called to love. And to do it in a way that we selflessly serve others. And it's hard. But when we can do it well, it's countercultural. Countercultural. That we live in a world that's selfish. We live in a world where people are always wondering, what is my return on investment? And when we can selflessly serve others... We show a different way. We show a different way of being in the world. We show a different set of values. We show light in the midst of darkness. And in a world that is often full of fear and stress and anxiety, when we can act in love, it shows something different. It shows Jesus' way in a way full of sin, in a world full of sin and death. And it gives an example of, of what Jesus calls us to do. And it invites people then to want that for their lives, that, that we can show light in the midst of darkness. We can show a different way. And love, though, is challenging because love requires action. That love requires us to act. That we can't passively love the world. And one of the greatest challenges, I think, for churches are that we want to love people, but we want them to come to us. We want to love people, but we want to love them on our own terms. But for us to selflessly serve others, we have to go out into the world. That we have to be active. That if love is our actions, that we actually have to be acting out in the world. And for us then, that's what the challenge is. How is Jesus calling us to love other people? How is Jesus calling us to go out into the world to act? Jesus did not challenge his disciples when he died and, uh, to, and, and then resurrected and ascended into heaven. He didn't challenge them to build a big building for him. He didn't challenge them to build a shrine or, or a, a place where they could worship him. Jesus challenged his disciples when he ascended into heaven to go make disciples of all the nations. He challenged them to go out into the world, to act in love, to serve one another. And that's our challenge, not to wait for people to come to us to love, 
but to go out into the world to selflessly serve other people. Jesus gives us the model of selfless service in the name of love. My invitation for us this week is, is uh, in this stressful, crazy time of, of Holy Week as we prepare for Easter, to find moments where we can act in love towards others without a thought of what we might get in return, but of, out of selfless service, as Jesus set the example. Because love is selflessly serving others. Amen.